my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As Drew Allen. Conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. I think there was this movie a number of years ago. Honestly, I can't really remember all the details of it, but I know it exists. Have you heard of this, Captain? I think it was called A Day Without a Mexican. And the idea was to, to the idea was to show people what what their lives, you know, how dependent we were on on immigrants or whatever else. You know, I I, I don't I, I agree with the basic premise as I understand it now, going back in the crevices of my brain. Uh, but the point was, you know, you, you just don't realize how much good something's doing for you or how much you depend upon something right until it's gone. I, I wish that liberals in this country could experience a day without us, without conservatives. And what I mean by that is as bad as this country is right now, as miserable as it is, as dangerous as it is, as unsettling as it is, it would be so much worse if we weren't standing there fighting back against the left to prevent them from having their way in America. And I, I gotta be, I'm exhausted, Captain. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to, to be some kind of broken record. I, I, I'm not, believe me, I'm not pulling a victim card, but most of you have been with me a long time, and I feel like I owe it to you to at least be honest. And at least when I used to listen to radio shows, I found it at least interesting when people divulge some of their private life. After all, I am a human being. I'm not just a brilliant political analyst trying to save the country. But I am. I am so tired. And the reason I'm, I'm telling you that I'm tired is, is I, I want to be here. I will continue to be here. That's not where this is going. But I just think about all the energy that I have to expend, that I must expend as a patriot, as someone who loves this country for my family, for my, my newborn daughter, to do this and talk about these issues. But it is time that I could be spending with my family. It is time that I could be spending playing golf or something else. But that's not where we are because we live in a country where there are too many just, well, there's, there's evil here and somebody has to deal with it and that's all of us. So, yeah, I didn't get a lot of sleep. I can't say that again to my wife, right? Because no matter how much sleep I say I do or don't get, my wife gets less, right? That's just the reality of it. So, so I saved that for the audience to let you know. But I, I am. I'm, I'm tired, you know? I mean, have any parents been through this? This is my first, right? So people can tell me all day long this is what to expect and so on and so forth. And it is worth every second of it. I mean, I just look down at my precious daughter. I mean, she's so beautiful. She's perfect. She's so innocent. And, and, and it's amazing. I mean, I, I really don't complain about changing the diapers or anything else. I mean, I, I jump when my wife needs something. I jump when my daughter needs something because being a father is, is, is the greatest gift I've ever been given. But I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. And so honestly, today, it's like it's an uphill battle going through some of these stories. Even, if, even, if, even as I was putting the show together today, I was looking for good news, and I promise you I have some good news to tell you, okay? We, 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 we will talk about positivity. We have to. But it just added to my frustration. It added to my frustration. So there's ample evidence, of course, of what life is like when you don't have conservative voices, when you don't have pro-American voices trying to protect this country and defend it against the onslaught from the Marxist left. And I, I suppose the first example I'll give you is a story about San Francisco, which is as radical as they come. San Francisco is the, is the perfect example. It, it perfectly encapsulates and exemplifies all that the left champions. San Francisco is the crown jewel of leftism in America. And is it a shining light on a hill? No. No, it's a literal SH you know what hole. 
And that is a result of left-wing policies. And I'm not going to be particularly nice to leftists out there today. I'm pretty upset with you, to be honest, because y'all are the problem in America, and you're destroying the country, and I'm really sick of you. I'm really sick of you. You're, you're, you have very low IQs. You're naive. You're, you're frankly pathetic. You're ungrateful. You're unappreciative. You do not think of others. You chase these phantom wars in America that have no bearing on society. You chase these phantom issues that don't exist. Meanwhile, the country goes to hell and we have to pay for it because of you, because you vote for these people. You support these people and you're a communist and you're a Marxist. That's what your party represents. And I have no tolerance for you. Tolerance is not a virtue. Tolerance is a vice. Jesus wasn't tolerant. I'm not tolerant. I'm not tolerant of the sin. I'm not tolerant of the evil. I'm not tolerant of you. I'm like Jesus. I'm throwing over the tax lenders tables in his temple and I'm kicking your AWS out. Get the hell out of my country. Get the hell out of my state. Get the hell out of my family. Get the hell out of my situation. You're ruining my life. You're ruining my family's life. You're ruining this country's life. You're ruining our future. Go go F off. So San Francisco, liberal crown jewel. Well, the Whole Foods there, which is the, the flagship Whole Foods, well, it's closing its doors or already closed its doors due to deteriorating street conditions nearby. Now, what does that mean? Increased drug use and crime near the Whole Foods on 8th and Market, which opened just one year ago, contributed to the store's closing. We are closing our Trinity location only for the time being. Yeah, it's never opening, by the way. It's never opening. If we feel we can ensure the safety of our team members in the store, we will evaluate reopening. Well, good luck with that. Unless you kick all the libs out. I mean, you're, you're going for reparations and so on and so forth right now in San Francisco. So good luck. Good luck. So they're closing their store because their employees aren't safe. So in the crown jewel of liberalism in America, San Francisco, you can't go to the grocery store. Grocery stores can't stay open because of crime. And you Biden voters, you did that. Congratulations. Keep it up. Keep it up. Here's another one for you. If you live in the liberal hellhole called Baltimore, Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott said a citywide curfew for minors will be enforced starting Memorial Day weekend. This comes after a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old were injured after a large fight among minors broke out Sunday night near the Inner Harbor. Police said at one point there were more than 200 teenagers along East Pratt Street around 9 p.m. Two were arrested after fleeing the scene, including one who was found with a loaded gun in the parking garage of police headquarters. Mayor Scott said a curfew for anyone 14 years old and younger will be 9 p.m. And a curfew for anyone younger than 17 will be 10 p.m. Now, this is not the first time they've instituted a curfew in Baltimore. Now, in San Francisco, run by liberals... Grocery stores can't remain open because they can't guarantee their employees' safety. In Baltimore, another city run by liberals for a very long time, they're instituting curfews because the children who leave their homes can't be trusted not to shoot each other on the streets. In 2014, then-Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake drew protests when she supported the stricter curfew that's now in the books. But of course, get this. Baltimore police policy says officers are not allowed to pursue curfew violators in a vehicle or chase them on foot. So they're instituting a curfew in Baltimore while also saying, well, we can't pursue you on foot or in a vehicle if you do violate the curfew. And that's pretty much the message in liberal cities with the DAs. If you're a violent criminal, unless you shoot somebody in the head and execute them, we're going to put you back on the street and you don't even have to post bail. What a message to criminals. No wonder criminality and violence and gun violence and murder is skyrocketing because there's no penalties. There's no fear. The police union says the department is so short-staffed, any curfew will be tough to enforce. 
The criminals in this country outnumber the police. Fortunately, I do not believe that you liberals out there outnumber us just yet. You're trying. You're trying. The education system is pumping them out. But fortunately, you're still not quite in the majority. Okay. Captain, I, there's a few things I want to talk about today. One is that leftists are frauds. They're all frauds. All of them. Uh, One of the other things I want to talk about is the gun issue. I found the most remarkable article I've ever read about the gun issue in my life apart from the ones that I've written that, of course, are equally brilliant. But the reason this one is so fascinating is because it was written in March of 1994. That's when Bill Clinton's infamous Brady Law assault weapon ban that didn't do anything at all to curb gun violence or prevent gun violence or mass shootings, well, that's when it went into effect. And I just want you liberals out there living in Kennyville to understand how much you've been bamboozled, how little you know, or as Reagan said, how much you know just isn't so. You think you're on the cutting edge of intellectual development. You think you're on the cutting edge of policies. You think that your positions are brilliant and sound. And yet what you'll discover, what you'll discover is that everything you believe and support is a failure, has always been a failure, and you are so stupid, so ignorant that you are supporting policies that we know don't work. And you think you're doing good. But you get San Francisco with the Whole Foods, you get Baltimore with the curfews, and you continue to support the policies that are responsible for that hellscape. No, I don't have respect for you. And especially, you know, these not all of you, not all of you, but at some point, you look at what's going on in the country, right, Captain? And look, believe me, I, I am still never going to become that, well, which the left represents. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, but I do my best to keep hatred out of my heart. I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm fighting for the country, but really, you know what I want? I don't want to hate anybody. My goal is not to to embarrass anybody, to humiliate anybody. You know what I want? I want liberals to open their eyes. That's really all I want. I want to save the country by saving you. That's what I really want. But sometimes you got to knock people over the head to get them to see. I don't know. So this Atlantic article, written in 1994, let's talk about the gun issue first because the Democrats are calling for assault weapon ban or assault gun ban or whatever it is today. They, they always change the terminology and it's nonsensical. And they think that there's a correlation between more guns equals more crime. They're making the same tired arguments they've made forever. And, and before I get into this article, let me, let me point something out. The left, of course, is disingenuous. They can't make any argument using actual facts and reality because it would contradict the narrative because nothing the left says is supported by truth or fact. Their policy positions depend upon lies. And so with the gun thing, just like the COVID numbers and the death numbers where they inflate them, well, they resort to these sort of misleading, to be polite, tactics to inflate mass shooting numbers, right? So the big talking point now, I think, is there have been over 120. There have been more mass shootings this year than, than there have been days or something like that. That's, that's a talking point right now. And every year, you know, we've had 600 mass shootings this year. Now, before I answer the question, let me just ask you this. 
What is a mass shooting? What criteria, what exact criteria are used to define a mass shooting? If I say there are 120 mass shootings so far this year in 2023, what does that mean? I would bet 90% or more cannot answer that question. Now, here's the thing. There is no strict definition of a mass shooting. Congress has a definition. The FBI has sort of a definition. But the definition used by the left to report mass shootings is this. Four or more people shot or killed in one incident. So a mass shooting can be a drive-by. It can be gang violence. And there can be zero fatalities. Just four people have to be shot. So Chicago could have 30 mass shootings tomorrow. You see how this works? But the only time you hear about mass shooting is when? Cleverly. When it's a school. When it's a supermarket. When it's what you think is a mass shooting. Because common sense, the way our brains understand this, and of course the way the media reports them, tells us the definition of a mass shooting is somebody shooting up a school or shooting up a supermarket in a public place. And there are five people dead, or six people dead, or seven people dead, and children are dead. So when they say there have been 600 mass shootings in a year or something like that, You automatically think, my goodness, what I just saw that was absolutely horrific, I'm being serious, at the Covenant School in Nashville, or what's taken place at various other locations, well, you think that's been replicated 600 times, but that's not true. When you actually factor in other criteria, if you use other criteria to determine a mass shooting, the number's like 7 or 12 or 16. Too many, but we live in an imperfect world. And what do you expect? We'll never get rid of it completely, but we'll definitely never get rid of this type of activity as long as the Democrats are educating our children and fomenting Marxist revolution in America. So just keep that in mind. These insidious people that are exploiting the deaths of our children to try and take guns away from law-abiding citizens and to do that which is not going to work. Now, 1994, ready for this? Here's the title, The False Promise of Gun Control. Gun control laws may save some lives, but they can never stem the flow of guns, and they they divert attention from the roots of our crime problem. The Democrats don't want to talk about the roots of our crime problem. And back in 1994, Daniel D. Polsby, writing for The Atlantic, can you believe that this is in The Atlantic? How times have changed. So I'm going to read some pull quotes. I'm going to spend some time on this article. Don't worry. I won't lose you. I'm too interesting. I I have my way of doing this. I won't lose you. But I've got to read these pull quotes. And I, I have to have you understand and armed with this because this is true today. And this is what moderates or even people on the left were acknowledging back in 1994. And it destroys their entire argument. So use this against them. Point this out. They don't even know this information. So it starts like this. During the 60s and 70s, the robbery rate in the United States increased sixfold, and the murder rate doubled. The rate of handgun ownership nearly doubled in that period as well. Handguns and criminal violence grew together apace, and national opinion leaders did not fail to remark on the coincidence. Now, this is the same argument being made today, right? John Stewart makes it. Everyone makes it. More guns equals more crime. That's what they say. Now, Polsby points this out. Are you ready? This is, this is what I've been saying. Alas, however well accepted the conventional wisdom about guns and violence is mistaken. Guns don't increase national rates of crime and violence. But the continued proliferation of gun control laws almost certainly does. Now, every time 
the Democratic Party calls for banning this weapon or that weapon. Every time they come out and threaten to take away your guns, what happens? There's a surge in new gun ownership. They're actually, because of their threats, are actually directly responsible for the increase of guns in America. Do you understand that? Now, I'm not saying that still those Americans buying guns because they're worried they're not going to be able to buy them in the near future because of Democratic Party policies. I'm not saying that's leading to gun violence either. That's not my point. But my point is the Democrats want to squeal about increasing gun ownership in America, but they're responsible for it because the reason it surges is because people freak out because they're not going to be able to buy guns. So they're actually directly responsible for that, and they have been since the 90s. All right, here we go. Gun control laws don't work. What's worse, they act perversely. While legitimate users of firearms encounter intense regulation, scrutiny, and bureaucratic control, illicit markets easily adapt to whatever difficulties a free society throws their way. You see, all of the Democrat Party policies and proposals do not function in accordance with human nature. Everything they do is antithetical to human nature. This is the idea behind communism, for example, right? Even even somebody who believed genuinely that communism was going to work, well, it doesn't function with human nature because we're all self-interested. We're motivated by what we can earn, the fruits of our labor. That's why America is the most prosperous nation in world history. That's why communist nations fail and become impoverished. And that's why they descend into totalitarian states because communism depends upon people giving up their freedom to function in the capacity that some dictator tells them to do. The government tries to control everything, the means of production, where you work, all of it. It doesn't work. It's antithetical to human nature. And most of the problems in America are because of government intervention. I'm going to come back to this article about guns in one second, but I want to make my point about government intervention and how it's harmful not helpful. I have this article from December 2021 from Forbes. So it's just before Christmas time. It starts with the Christmas holiday driving season upon us. It's sobering that road deaths and injuries are rising. According to the Department of Transportation's National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, More than 20,000 Americans died on U.S. roads in the first six months of 2021, an increase of 18.4% over the same period in 2020. This is the worst since 2006. Drew, what are you going with this? Uh, Who cares? What's your point? Well, I'll tell you. The new fuel economy proposal under Pete Buttigieg and the Biden administration, will raise the 2026 corporate average fuel economy standard to 48 miles per gallon from the current standard of 40 miles per gallon. Now, these are CAFE standards. Remember, CAFE standards make cars less safe. They force automobile manufacturers to make cars with lighter materials that directly make cars less safe in order to increase their fuel economy standards. So it's not in the interest of your safety. It's in the interest of making cars get more miles per gallon because of what? Climate change, which we are not responsible for. The rule would set a new minimum standard of 50 miles per gallon for passenger cars made in the United States with fines for non-compliant car makers. This would increase the price of cars by $2,264 before inflation by 2026, and the price of light trucks by $2,210, according to the transportation secretary, office, whatever. So you have intervention here from the government. And what's the upshot of this? Well, the price increase means that fewer people are going to be able to afford new and later model used cars, which are safer than old cars. In tables in its preliminary regulatory impact analysis published in October, NHTSA estimates that new vehicle sales will decline by more than 2%, leading to 1,800 
additional deaths on the road each year, 80,000 more injuries, and almost 300,000 more crashes involving property damage. Deaths and injuries from these cafe cafe rules are going to be concentrated among low-income Americans, disproportionately minorities, because due to the price increases, they will buy fewer new cars and fewer later model used cars. So much for health and equity. The proposed 48 mile per hour average for cafe standards will require car makers to sell more electric vehicles to comply. Automakers are going to be harmed by higher prices of the new cars, which will reduce vehicle sales and the subsidies for electric vehicles. So there's your government in action for you, right? For the greater good, they're getting you killed. And that's what's going to happen with the gun stuff, too. All right, back to this Atlantic piece. Gun control laws don't work, writes Polsby in March of 1994. What's worse, they act perversely. While legitimate users of firearms encounter intense regulation, scrutiny, and bureaucratic control, illicit markets easily adapt to whatever difficulties a free society throws in their way. All right, that's where we were. Most modern scholarship affirms that so far as the drafters of the Bill of Rights were concerned, the right to bear arms was to be enjoyed by everyone, not just a militia, and that one of the principal justifications for an armed populace was to secure the tranquility and good order of the community. You see, all of this nonsense about the Second Amendment only intends for it to be part of a militia that's overseen by the states or the federal government. That's a talking point that isn't based on originalism. In other words, that's made up. In 1994, even leftists acknowledged that the Second Amendment was intended to be enjoyed by everyone, not just a militia. And so they've invented this new talking point by bastardizing the Constitution. And of course, depending upon dumb leftists out there, because you're uneducated and ill-informed and they don't teach you things in school anymore, so you stack Dumb people on dumb people on dumb people. And I'm sorry to say it's not their fault. It's because they go to the public education system and they're going to come out dumb because they're being taught by dumb people and liars and frauds. Now, here's another point I've made. And this is what they say in 1994. It's easy to count the bodies of those who have been killed or wounded with guns. But it's not easy to count the people who have avoided harm Because they had access to weapons. That's what I've been saying all along as a counterpoint to the left. All day long, they say, look, murder's gone up. Guns have gone up. And they never talk about how many murders or crimes or assaults are prevented by good guys with guns. And they won't do it because they know that they will be caught and outed if they go there. So they don't focus on that at all. And he gives a great example here. Think about uninformed, uh, sorry, uniformed police officers who carry handguns in plain view. Not in order to kill people, but simply to daunt potential attackers. Criminals generally do not single out police officers for opportunistic attack. That's exactly right. And, and I want to give you some hope and optimism here. The left is really not winning the gun issue. A majority of states have open carry or constitutional carry now. A majority of states. We are winning on this issue, but don't think that the left is slowing down. Don't think that it's going to prevent them from changing this overnight. They haven't stopped their pursuit of taking the guns. And their goal, of course, is to take all the guns. And actually, I should do that right now and explain how that's going to work. So, the left is obsessed with Armalite 15, AR-15, right? Which is a semi-automatic rifle. That's it. I mean, it it fires the exact same way as a pistol. It's more accurate. It's better for long range. But it's not an automatic weapon. Those have, have been banned long ago. Although, honestly, we should be allowed to have automatic weapons as well. I know, that sounds crazy. We should be. We should be. The point of the Second Amendment wasn't to give us lesser arms than our oppressors in the government. It was to create an equal 
playing field. That was the point. But, you know, we can't have that fight. You know, we, we, we've, we've lost, Captain, we have lost so much ground, do you realize? Not putting our foot down and, and dealing with this nonsense. Captain, pull up, uh, I think it's photo one. This is the FBI statistics. Yeah, perfect. I've got it on my phone I'm looking at. So if you're just listening, I'll go through this with you. So the left is focused on, I, I mean, they, how do I put this? What they really want is an assault weapons ban, which includes some handguns as well. It's a list of over 100 weapons they want to ban. But they don't talk about that. It's kind of like the mass shooting thing. They don't really want to come clean with you about that. So what do they do? They, they point out the AR-15 when it's used in these situations, and they say, we've got to ban these weapons of war. Well, an AR-15 and these long rifles that they are always pointing to as being weapons of war, military-grade weapons, which they're not, well, the, the latest data from the FBI, it breaks down in this uh, homicide data table, eight uh, murders by weapon. Now, let me ask you a, a, a question that I'll answer for you in a minute. Would you guess, based on the left's assault on AR-15s, for example, would you guess that knives kill more people every year or AR-15s? Or how about hammers? Or how about fists? You think fists kill more people or AR-15s every year? All right, so 2019. Uh, okay. Let's start with the rifles. 2019, 364 murders with rifles. That would include the AR-15, 364. And it's pretty consistent, by the way. Uh, you know, 2018, 305, 2017, 389, So, okay, 364 murders with rifles like the AR-15 in 2019. Guess how many with knives? 1,476. Personal weapons, that would be hands, fists, feet, 600. 600. So, Nearly double the number of people are murdered with hands and feet every year than rifles. And that's not to mention the fact that there are 11,000 deaths caused by drunk drivers. And you've got 364 murders with rifles. And the Democrats and the gun grabbers want to ban assault rifles. The reason I point this out is because it's illogical to point out and focus on the AR-15 and assault rifles as as the gun to to grab. So handguns, 6,368 murders committed with handguns. So handguns, pull it down if it's still up, Captain, but, but handguns, they don't want to talk about, right? Because you have a handgun in your night drawer. You have a handgun in your night drawer. So, what? I mean, this is why it's like, the, it's like the 15 days to slow the spread. I've talked about it before, but you've got 364 murders committed with rifles. You've got over 6,000 with handguns. But, they, but they're focused on the... Well, let me just say I'm, I'm a gun-grabbing gun advocate here. Does it make sense to focus on the 364 rifles? that are used to murder each year, or to go for the 6,000-plus handguns? And how about knives? Do you see how disingenuous these a-holes are? They don't care that children are killed with a firearm. They don't care that anybody's killed with a gun. That's not what it's about. It's a bunch of virtue signaling. You got David Hogg. David David Hogg. 
Now, look, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like to stroke, you know, my own ego here too often, but you know, I went to an elitist all male college preparatory school in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I didn't go to Harvard, uh, but I certainly got a much higher SAT score than David Hogg did back when it was out of 1600. And David Hogg got like a 1260 or 1270 on his SAT, which I don't, I'm not trying to be insulting out there, but from my world of the academic elite that I once attended and went to, that's embarrassing. Like that, that's a humiliating score. You would not tell your friends that you got below a 1300 on the SAT because they would look at you and laugh at you and tell you how stupid you are. That's just the reality, okay? I mean, I, my friends were getting 1600 out of 1600 on the SAT. I mean, that's, that's just, that, that's the group that's admitted into Harvard and Princeton and Yale and so forth in the past. So David Hogg is a very, very low IQ individual who got a sub-1300 on the SAT, but somehow he got into Harvard, which is supposed to have the most stringent requirements in America. It used to. So David Hogg didn't get into Harvard because he's smart. He got in because he was an activist leftist and brought the, uh, you know, celebrity thing to Harvard. But David Hogg is the Greta, what, what's her last name? Thunberg, Thunberg, Thunderthighs, Greta Thunderthighs? Thunderbird. Thunberg. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, the, the yeah, Thunberg. so Greta. Thunberg. Th- yeah, yeah, Thorn, Thorn, Thorn and Herberg, whatever. So Greta, he, so he's the Greta Thornberg of the gun movement. That's the reality. He's a, he's a, he's totally exploits these gun tragedies for his own gain to become famous. And there's a video out there of David Hogg. His family owns guns. He's out there on a shooting range with shotguns and so on and fo- so forth, enjoying himself. And so he's had to uh, he's had to shift gears and say, "Oh, well, you know, I uh, uh, you know." I don't support the NRA still, and, you know, I'm a responsible gun owner, and you can be a gun owner and still promote gun grabs. Guy's a complete, complete, total fraud. So, anyway, they're coming after AR-15s, and it's nonsensical, because they're nothing compared to hands and fists, knives. If, if, if death and murder were what you were trying to prevent— you would go for the knives, would you not? Over a thousand murders with knives, only three hundred. So, just remember that these people are all morons. All right, here we go. This is great. So, which, this is from the article, The Atlantic. Which weapons laws are the right kinds? Can be decided only after considering two related questions. First, what is the connection between civilian possession of firearms and social violence? Second. How can we expect gun control laws to alter people's behavior? Now, they try and dismiss the second question, which is the most important question. How can we expect gun control laws to alter people's behavior? Right? So you say, don't murder. That's a law. How is that having an impact on people's behavior? Are there still murders and why? You see, this gets to the root cause of the gun violence problem in America, which the Democrats don't want to talk about because it's mostly Democrats going and shooting up schools. Rational gun control requires understanding not only the relationship between weapons and violence, but also the relationship between laws and people's behavior. Some things are very hard to accomplish with laws. The purpose of a law and its likely effects are not always the same thing. So, so here, here he points out something else to another pool quote. Uh, which premise is true? That guns increase crime or that the fear of crime causes people to obtain guns? You see, that's really why there's an increase in guns right now. It's because people are fearful for their lives. And so more people are buying guns. And he makes a great point here. And you never hear this. You'll never hear this. I had never actually thought of this myself. Well, before I get to that point, the threat of being killed leads to gun ownership. The threat of harm makes people more likely to arm themselves. The causal arrow isn't people buy guns and crime goes up because they're buying guns to kill people. It goes the other way. You understand that? 
So actually, gun violence would be much higher. Murder would be much higher if people weren't buying firearms because violence is on the rise because of Democrat policies, which have made it more appealing to be a criminal than go to work in this country. All of their policies are responsible for that. Destroying the nuclear family, no fathers in the homes, all these things, people turn to crime and violence. And frankly, that number would be higher if people weren't buying guns and defending themselves. Now, two points. If firearms increased violence and crime, then rates of spousal homicide would have skyrocketed because the stock of privately owned handguns has increased rapidly since the mid-1960s. You understand that correlation? So if firearms actually increased violence and crime, then the rates of spousal homicide would have also gone up. But they're not. There's a category that's not killing each other by buying firearms. It's somewhere else in society. There's another cause. And secondarily, gun-controlled Mexico and South America should be islands of peace instead of having murder rates more than twice as high as those here. But again, it's an inconvenient fact for them. And, and quite frankly, you're not going to get the death penalty anymore. There's very little deterrent for somebody to, to go in and make a decision of whether or not to commit murder. I mean, a lot of criminals are more than happy to go and live their lives in a, uh, in a jail, in a prison. That's just the reality. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here's, here's the golden jewel of the article, and then I'm going to move on to a couple other things. Over the long run, there is no substitute for addressing the root causes of crime, bad education, and lack of job opportunities, and the disintegration of families. This was written in 1994, and it's only gotten worse since then. So, of course, it's gotten worse in terms of violence and murder. Root causes are much out of fashion nowadays as explanations of criminal behavior. But fashionable or not, they are fundamental. The root cause of crime is that for certain people, being a predator is a rational occupational choice. So Democrat policies have consequences. All right. I want to play cut one for the libs out there. Cue up cut one. Now you've heard this probably before. It's been a while since I've listened to it, but it's, it's the best summation of basically what Marxists hope to achieve in America. Now, Yuri Bezmenov, this is somebody who was allegedly a former KGB operative, and he talks about the tactics utilized to destroy America. Marxist tactics used to destroy this republic. Now, it's maybe two minutes long. I want you to hear the whole thing. It's very important that you understand this, because if you're a liberal, you're a part of this movement. If you voted for Joe Biden or plan on continuing to vote for Democrats, you are who Yuri is talking about. You're destroying the country, unbeknownst to you. So let Yuri tell you, if you're a liberal, what's wrong with you and how you've been misled. Go ahead and play cut one, Captain. Go. Ideological subversion is, is the slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, active мероприятия in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism 
American patriotism. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his balls, then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. And this has been going on for a long time. Now, there are a few ways you probably experienced this in your own life. I've run into it this way. I'll have a conversation with somebody who is on the left. And I will tell them a situation that they weren't familiar with. I'll tell them a set of facts. I'll bring something to their attention that was unfamiliar to them. And they will simply say, well, where did you hear that? And if my response isn't CNN or some trusted news source that they approve of themselves, they dismiss it. Now, you still have people, despite the fraud that was the COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdowns, all the lies. Think about this. The same community that people who bought into the scamdemic relied upon, those same scientists, right? So I'll give you an example. You still got people in California, for example, walking around wearing masks on their faces. Now, these people were told by the Fauci types and so on and so forth of the various agencies that masks didn't work. Then they were told that masks did work and they put them on their faces religiously. Now, those same people who told them that masks work have actually come out and admitted that masks, in fact, don't work. But these people continue to wear them no matter what. They can't see past whatever false reality that they created in their minds. And nothing that you say to them can break them out of their trance. The vaccines. I don't mean to be offensive here to anyone, but the vaccines do not work. They're highly ineffective. But even if you find what I just said controversial and that upsets you, let me dial it back to something that I think we can agree on. The vaccines do not prevent the contraction or the spread of COVID-19. That has been proven true. If you get the vaccine, you can still get COVID. Now, what a lot of people believe, because the lie was exposed, right? You were told, the, you can't get COVID if you get the vaccine. And then people with the vaccine were getting COVID. So then they changed the narrative and said, but it lessens the symptoms. But you've got people who are still, I mean, I, they're getting booster after booster after booster. Okay. I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it doesn't make sense. They, they lied to me. They lied to us about it all. And now I'm supposed to trust them anyway. The Hunter Biden laptop. The Hunter Biden laptop, they told us that that wasn't real. They said it was Russian disinformation or misinformation. And then they came out and admitted they lied. We know that Facebook, Twitter, they were approached by the FBI. They were pressured. They were told to lie about it, to suppress the story during an election year. And yet the left doesn't have any problem with that. They don't see that as election interference. The contents of that email, the contents of those exchanges, everything that we've learned from bank records that have now been obtained by the House Oversight Committee proved that the Biden family was paid by the communist Chinese. And it was a very complex process meant to hide what they were doing. All of these different sums of money going into different bank accounts to different Biden family members through other people from the communist Chinese divvied out. 
And yet you've got Democrats who are still focused on Donald Trump and Trump-Russia collusion, which didn't happen. We know that Trump-Russia collusion, the Clinton campaign paid for quote-unquote opposition research to fabricate this list of salacious allegations against Donald Trump. Like he went in the Obama suite in a Moscow hotel and engaged in golden showers with a bunch of prostitutes. That was all debunked, all proven false, but people still are attacking Trump. When you've got Joe Biden, who literally did all the things that you've accused falsely Trump of doing, but no problem whatsoever. I mean, nothing will break these people from reality. They just hate the orange man. And the media that painted this portrait that's false of Trump to you, They have lied to you about everything. They lied about Trump-Russia collusion. They lied about quid pro quo. They lied about COVID. They inflated the numbers. They lied about the vaccines. And you say Fox News is disinformation. Democrats still deny the results of the 2016 election. I could play a 20-minute montage of Democrats saying that Trump was an illegitimate president. From Maxine Waters to Hillary Clinton herself, All prominent Democrats, even Jimmy Carter, saying that the 2016 election was stolen, that the Russians hacked, et cetera, et cetera. And yet you dismiss that completely. You ignore it. You pretend it's not there because you want this confirmation bias of your fake worldview. I, I, I honestly, I can't understand. I can't understand anymore. I mean, what is it that the Republicans, what is it that Trump did that was so bad compared to what's happening in the country right now? What, what was his crime? You don't like him. That's the crime. Well, I hope you enjoyed your gas car. Joe Biden is violating the Constitution again. He's already been struck down by the Supreme Court recently in one EPA ruling about putting coal plants out of business with emission standards. The Supreme Court said that the administrative state cannot fundamentally alter and destroy and change an entire industry and put it out of business. But that's not stopping Joe Biden, your God, from using the EPA to go after cars. The Biden administration is set to unveil new environmental regulations that would force U.S. automakers to sell electric vehicles over their gas-powered counterparts. A move experts say will kill jobs and bring major supply chain issues. His EPA is going to announce on Wednesday a proposed rule to limit tailpipe emissions. The rule, according to the New York Times, will impose a strict emissions limit on vehicles sold, so strict that it will force automakers to ensure that two-thirds of the vehicles they sell are electric by 2032. Now, tell me again about Donald Trump and how he's authoritarian. Tell me again about how Republicans are a threat to democracy. Tell me again about how Republicans are threatening the country and your rights and so on and so forth. You're not allowed to drive a gas-powered vehicle because Joe Biden says so. He's putting the industry out of business and forcing you to buy an electric car. Now, how many of you out there are prepared to go and spend money on an electric vehicle? Because what's going to happen, too, is you won't be able to get used gas cars any, anymore either. I mean, they're, 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 they're fundamentally destroying an industry and not for an improved product. It's not like the car was invented and people naturally gravitate away from the horse because the, the car is more efficient. You see, that is an invention. And the free market dictated that the car was going to be a success. Nobody wants to ride around a horse where it poops every two minutes as you walk and run and everything else. And it takes, you know... Six days to get 100 miles. You have to stop and let the horse rest. And what? I think you get the point. But here you have electric vehicles that nobody wants. Nobody wants. I thought there was this statistic in here too. I'm trying to look at how many. Just 6% of vehicles sold last year were electric. So 94% of the cars purchased in the United States are gas-powered. 6% are electric. And Joe Biden, nobody voted for this. 
Nobody voted for this EPA. Nobody in Congress is passing a law. Nobody's held accountable. The EPA is just going to put the 94% of us that have gas-powered cars, they're saying, screw you. You're going to drive electric. Now, if electric cars were better, superior, you wouldn't have 6% of vehicles sold last year that were electric. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, frauds, frauds, frauds. I got to play frauds. Okay. Justin Pearson, he's one of the individuals who was expelled from the Tennessee legislature. And now he's pretending to be a Black Panther. He's, frankly, it's disgraceful. He grew out of fro and he's pretending to be some kind of civil rights icon. Now, I've got a clip. It's about 40 seconds or so. You're going to hear Justin Pearson in 2016 when he was at a prestigious private school running for office in a nice suit. And then you're going to hear him now talking. This is the same person, 2016 versus 2023. It's a big show. It's like Hillary Clinton when she goes into the black church and she puts on an accent. This person's doing the same. Frauds. Frauds. Play the cut, Captain. Go. Justin J. Pearson, and I'm running for president of BSG. There are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year. One has to do with representation. How can we represent all voices in a conversation? I wanted to do this by partnering with organizations from the Boone Democrats to the Boone Republicans. I want to bring together different voices, dissenting voices, voices that may be more liberal or more conservative, in order that we can reach a point of sort of the radical middle. Seem like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. But oh, that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last. But oh, we have good news, folks. We've got good news that Sunday always comes. That's so humiliating. So humiliating. And that's the thing. All of you leftists out there who are fighting these phantom wars for civil rights and so on and so forth, they don't exist. What you're doing actually is regressive. You're destroying all the work that so many Americans sacrificed to achieve for us. So, queue up, cut three. Sorry, uh, no. Queue up, cut four, Captain. I want you to hear. Newsom exemplifies the fake war in the mind of the left. A litany of things. You don't live in reality. Everywhere Democrats rule and have policies, they are failures and people are leaving the state. And you have Newsom, by the way, going on a tour of Florida right now where people fled California to go to Florida because it was free. They fled California because of Newsom's leadership as governor. And he's going to Florida to chase them down and tell them why California is better and why Florida is so, uh, so punitive and so terrible and so unfree. They don't live in reality. But here's Newsom in an interview talking about the state of the world today. He is another fraud. Go ahead. There's something deep and and serious that's happening across this country. All the progress the last half century is being rolled back in these states in real time. Just the last few years, I don't think people fully understand the rights regression, individual liberties on civil rights, on voting rights, on the gerrymandering that's happening out here, on just the assault on the African-American community, the assault on the gay, lesbian, bisexual, Mm -hmm. and trans community. The number one issue of the day seems to be getting rid of the word Latinx in Arkansas, and number two, getting rid of drag shows. It's a serious moment in American history, and yet we're so consumed respectfully by the spectacles in Washington that I, as an American, feel compelled as a governor to call that out and expose some of that in a more systemic way. And forgive me for being intense about this, but everything I have taken for granted in my life in the last half century in terms of rights expansion, I didn't even bring up abortion and contraception, all of that, all of that is in peril at this moment. And my kids, they need, if I care about my kids, I sure as hell better care about what's going on in Alabama. Well, he just gave you a list of things that, (laughs) 
so let me just put it this way. The left is trying to take away unlawfully, unconstitutionally, without an amendment to the Constitution. They're trying to take away our Second Amendment right to bear arms. They're attacking our First Amendment right to free speech, colluding with the the social media companies out there in the past to suppress our voices because they didn't like what we had to say because we're speaking the truth. They're destroying our jobs. The EPA, via Joe Biden's order, is about to destroy an entire industry that's going to put people out of work. We have a loss of freedom in this country. We've got the FBI spying on Christian churches, Catholic churches. You have them jailing political opponents. And Newsom has the audacity to gaslight the American people and say that he's defending liberty. Voting rights are under attack? No, they're not. African Americans are under attack? Yes, by Democrats and their policies. Gays, trans, their rights? What rights don't they have? What rights don't they have? They have all the rights. More rights than I do, as a matter of fact. Drag shows? None of this is regressive. You see, he talks like, oh, we're going backwards so much. No, they're inventing new victim classes. Trans, drag shows for children. These aren't rights. These aren't things that we're going backwards on. These are new communities that are frankly disgusting and despicable and have no place around our children, that have no place in public spheres. It's like a strip club. Put it somewhere hidden away and go do that dirty deed on your own volition. But don't go about promoting it. These people want to take the worst aspects of society, of any society, and force them down our throats. All right. uh, Good news. Good news, as I promised. Three new GOP supermajorities have been created in the past month from Democrat defections. Okay? That's huge. Louisiana, North Carolina, Wisconsin. All three have Democrat governors, and all three now have veto-proof GOP supermajorities with impeachment power. These are Democrats who left the Democrat Party and became Republicans after elections. So there's movement. This can't be ignored. This is very big. There are people that are Democrats, lifelong Democrats, who are now saying, I can't do it anymore. They've gone too far. And I want to just tell you something. What can you do? What can you tune out the media and focus on doing the right thing? Focus on standing up for what is moral and good. Focus on being patriotic. People will follow. You see, all of you listening have power, have the potential and capacity to influence others. And all you have to do is confidently live your life in a way that, like your children, you'd want them to see. And people will follow. People will become comfortable. It's it's the reason I do this show even. It's my hope, especially with me being a, a geriatric millennial, that somebody out there, one person, will hear me on this show and say, gosh, if Drew can do it, I can do it. Gosh, I thought I thought that too, and Drew said it. He lives in California. He's not dead yet. Okay? So that's really the reason I do this show. All right. Well, it's been another whirlwind. I don't know what to tell you on the left. I'll just continue praying for you, I guess. But, you know, I don't know how anybody on the left can support transgenderism, genital mutilation for children, how they can support infanticide. I mean, how they can support, you know, the Oregon governor, for example, who said, hey, I'm getting rid of reading and math requirements for graduates. Everything the left is doing is destructive. And you are supporting it if you're a Democrat. And if you can't see it, I don't know. I'll keep praying for you. But otherwise, you are what Yuri Bezmenov says. You know, you're, 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 you're just, you're demoralized, I guess. But look, we can't be demoralized. 
We cannot allow ourselves to be demoralized, okay? It's okay to have bad days. It's okay to be upset. I'm upset. I told you that when I started the show. I've got a daughter. I want to spend time with her. I'm mad. The country she's coming into, the world she's inheriting, it's a the it's the worst it's been in my lifetime. And it's 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 really frightening. It's really frightening. You had Macron in France just make a deal with, with Xi. He's cutting into NATO, which you leftist worship out there. I mean, he's, he's taking Europe now. Basically, what Xi is doing now is he's taking our coalition in Europe and he's turning them against us. He's getting them to basically sign and be committal to the fact that Xi is going to go and take Taiwan and NATO. France certainly is not going to do anything about it or condemn it. And Macron's come out and said, we need to get away from the United States. This is happening right now. And it's not a good thing. And all of us are going to be hurt, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. These things are the things we should be focused on. But instead, you're fighting fake wars for voting rights, which aren't at risk. You're fighting fake wars for all these different things, rights that don't exist. All right. God bless you all. This is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth, a dad, and until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew, Drew Allen. Allen. As Drew Allen. Conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.